It almost always takes longer than you think to get where you want to go, especially if you have big goals, right? But here's what I learned. After that six years and not hitting it that first year like I attempted, when you finally get to the point in your life or your business or your book sales that you've been working so hard for so long, you look back with hindsight, you almost never wish it would have happened any sooner. This one's for all of you big goalers, dreamers who know you're sitting on a life-changing book and you want inspiration and information on how to be wildly successful in launching it into the world. I'm Linda Sievertson, book mama and lover of all things writing and publishing. And today I'm changing things up and dropping back-to-back episodes on a topic I haven't yet covered on this show, self-publishing. In part one and two of Self-Pub Superstars, I will introduce you to two clients who came to me early on in their careers with a burning desire to help the masses. Sheesh, did they ever. Not only have they each made millions of dollars from self-publishing, but more importantly to them, they're touching millions of souls with work that embodies their highest values. I learned so much, and I know you will too, even if you still want to sign with a traditional publisher. First up, we've got Hal Elrod, author of The Miracle Morning, the not-so-obvious secret guaranteed to transform your life before 8 a.m. With over 3.5 million books sold, even more than I quoted during our chat, and 22,852 five-star reviews on Amazon, which at a certain point, maybe even still was a record. As you'll hear, Hal hired me to write his book proposal, but decided to pull it after two agent rejections. Say what? Unlike Dr. Jody Carrington, who you'll hear from in part two, self-publishing was not where my heart was for Hal. We'd just started querying my agent connections, and I envisioned a top publisher seeing the magic of his mission and helping to make him a household name. But sometimes taking matters into your own hands is where our true magic lies. Hal followed his instincts, which led to spinoff books, international book deals, a phenomenal app, and a Miracle Morning documentary with appearances from Mel Robbins, Robert Kiyosaki, Brendan Bouchard, Lewis Howes, Leila Ali, and others. I'll tell you how to download the film for free at the show's close. Who knows? You just might become a morning person, one who creates miracles on the daily, bright and early. It's easier than you think. Welcome. So I thought, and this was back in 2010 or 11 when I was considering publishing. And back then, I thought if the Miracle Morning is going to reach millions of people, I have to traditionally publish it. There was still a pretty big stigma around self-publishing back then. And actually, I hired you to write the book proposal so that I could pursue publishers and agents. And while you and I were working on that proposal, I was just doing research. And I came to the conclusion that, wait a minute, if I publish traditionally, I have no audience right now. I don't have a platform. And so I therefore have no leverage. And the likelihood of me getting any significant kind of advance or favorable deal with the publisher is slim to none. As I learned, 
Doesn't matter how good your idea is. They're not looking for a great idea. They're looking for who's going to sell books. Essentially, it's a business. And obviously, there's an intersection between the great idea and the book sales. But if you're Anderson Cooper or whoever, and you're on TV in front of millions of people, you're going to get a great book deal because you have an audience that's going to buy your book. And I didn't have an audience. And so I realized that they're going to keep the majority of my income and they're going to pay me, let's say, 10 to 12%. I still have to do all of the promotional work. That was the conclusion I also came to is that, oh, they're not investing a lot of money in new authors. They're investing their marketing dollars into proven authors. Right. And so I thought, wait, I have to do the same amount of work and I'm giving all of my money to them or most of my money to them. And I came to the conclusion, I'm going to self-publish. And here's what's interesting, Linda. I go, okay, I think it makes sense to self-publish. And I gradually came to that conclusion. And then when I go, you know what? I'm going to self-publish. I believe in this Miracle Morning concept. I'm hardworking. I'm committed. I will get it out there in the world until I create enough leverage that publishers come calling and they go, hey, we want a piece of this. We're seeing the Miracle Morning making an impact around the world, selling lots of copies. Now, complete transparency. I didn't know if it could happen. It was really a Hail Mary. I was betting on myself, I guess. <laughs> right. So I self-published it on 12-12-2012. I have a bad memory, so I wanted a date that I wouldn't forget. <laughs> and self-published it. And the first month, I think I sold 5,000 copies, I think, you know, Dude, and that was that's leveraging That's so far above the national average. I just remembered I'm now going back to that time. So here's what it was. I pre-sold 5,000 copies of the book. I called all of my speaking clients. I'm like, hey, I'll do a free speech for you if you buy. I had all these tiers. If you buy 100 books, you get this. Actually, it was down to 25 and you get... I forgot what the prizes were, but it was levels of you get this at this level. And then at 100 copies... You got some free bonuses. And then at X amount of copies, you got a free ticket to my live event that I had never put on and planned on doing someday, which (laughs) it took a couple of years to actually fulfill that promise and give those people the tickets. And then I gave, yeah, my highest level. If you ordered like a thousand copies, I would come give a keynote for you for free. And back then I was charging like $5,000, $10,000 a keynote. And so I pre-sold 5,000 copies that way. And then organically, the first month I sold 2,000 copies. So 7,000 copies total, 5,000 was me pounding the phones and 2,000 was me on social media and emailing my small list of friends and family to buy the books. And so fast forward a couple of years and actually, no, I got to tell the most important part of the story. That first year, my goal was to sell a million copies. And it was because I had received so many emails from people that I had shared the Miracle Morning concept with before the book was published. I was giving speeches on it. I was sharing it. I was teaching it. And there were already hundreds of people doing the Miracle Morning every day. And I was getting emails that were profound, like this saved my marriage. This got me off my depression meds. These unbelievable testimonials and stories. And I went, I have a responsibility to share this with the world. Mm -hmm. So I wrote the book in the first place. I just thought big. A million is the biggest number I could imagine. And one year is the arbitrary timeframe that we set goals within. And, <laughs> and the way that I phrased the goal, Linda, was change 1 million lives one morning at a time. That was the mission of the Miracle Morning. And this is so important for every author to hear what I'm about to share. I went out there and I live by this thing I call the Miracle Equation, which was a follow-up book to the Miracle Morning. But it's unwavering faith and extraordinary effort. It's you maintain unwavering faith every day, regardless of how your results are going. 
and you put forth extraordinary effort for as long as it takes to reach your goal. And so I applied the miracle equation. And that first year, this was my extraordinary effort. I was on 152 podcasts, other people's podcasts. I launched my own podcast to nurture my readers because I didn't really have a way to, I didn't have a blog or anything. I wanted to nurture them. So I did 52 of my own podcasts. I gave 36 speeches all across the United States and Canada. I hired a TV PR firm and I did 13 morning television show interviews, including NBC Daytime, some national, a lot of local, like Good Morning Sacramento, that kind of thing. I engaged on social media every single day. I launched a Facebook group called the Miracle Morning Community. I literally did everything I could think of all day long. My whole life was sharing the Miracle Morning. My goal was a million copies. I sold 13,000 copies that year. And if you do a little math, I was 98.7% short of my goal. Think about that, (laughs) y'all. 98.7% failure. And I was discouraged. I pulled out a calculator and I calculated at 13,000 copies a year, it will take me 117 years to reach my goal of a million copies, (laughs) right? And I'm not going to be around probably, or maybe we will, but... The miracle equation is I'm committed until for as long as it takes. Like, okay, I was way off on year one. It might take me 30 years, but I'm just going to keep going and sharing this. And it took six years to finally sell over a million copies. And at that point, I was traditionally published in 37 countries. I have this hybrid model of a self-published book in the United States and traditionally published in 37 foreign markets. Amazing. Um, Yeah, and so... I want to wrap that up with the lesson of it almost always takes longer than you think to get where you want to go, especially if you have big goals, right? But here's what I learned after that six years and not hitting it that first year like I attempted. When you finally get to the point in your life or your business or your book sales that you've been working so hard for so long, you look back with hindsight, you almost never wish it would have happened any sooner. Totally. Then you look back and you go, oh, It had to take six years. I had to go through the ups and the downs and meet that person in year three that led to this relationship that turned into this amount of books, got me this agent, on and on and on. So if you're listening to this, wake up every day and maintain a healthy sense of urgency. Absolutely, take action, move forward. But just be at peace with where you are along the journey and know that you're eventually going to get where you're going if you keep moving in that direction. Oh my gosh. Okay, that is such an interesting thing that you just said about having that sense of urgency, but also peace. Because one of my questions for you was, how do we have that sense of urgency without going into that energy of grind culture that is making so many people burned out and exhausted? It's effective time management. And I know that's a very broad answer, but specifically it's time blocking. That's been taught by a gazillion productivity experts, but it it is the key. You don't need some fancy trick or app on your phone You just need to have your schedule set up so that you've blocked time. So every day for me, I believe it was either one or two hours every morning after a miracle morning, the first part of my day, it was one hour and it was focused on do something to get the miracle morning out there. It was schedule interviews, reach out to podcasters, something every day for an hour. And that's how I didn't get burned out is I just did that activity in the morning. And then I had appointment openings. Basically, whenever the podcaster wanted me on was when I would be on. So my schedule would fill up every week. I'd be doing a handful of podcast interviews. Some weeks I would do 20 podcast interviews. That's to me how you don't get burned out is you just make sure that every day that you look at a schedule, I'm looking at mine right now on the Zoom behind you on the computer screen. I have every hour of my day blocked out. 
And so that includes my free time, my fun time, my family time, my workout time, my work time, lunch time, everything. Every hour of my day is planned from morning till night. And that includes big blocks of time, like on the weekends for fun and family. Like it's whatever. I don't have to do anything specific, but I know that during this realm of time, Mm -hmm. I'm working on book promo. I'm working on our new app. I'm working on whatever it is. Yeah. I love your app so much. Here's why I reached out to you. I had just released my book. I was trying to figure out how to be more balanced because when you're finishing a book and you've been working on it for a really, really long time, there's not a lot of balance. I didn't realize because I was so much more balanced on this book than any of my prior deadlines. Like when I was ghostwriting a book for somebody in eight weeks or delivering Generation Green for my publisher in 12 weeks while going through a divorce. I mean, just insanity. And so with this book, I thought I was balanced until I released it. And then I had so much time and I thought, oh my God. Wow. What can I do? What can I create now? What do I want now? And I really wasn't sure how. There was like a loss of meaning. There was Mm -hmm. a little postpartum. I was so used to carrying this book around that my life felt a little empty. And and I thought, what do I need? What do I need? Oh, I think I need something like the Miracle Morning. And (laughs) I barely remembered it. Okay, so you and I hired me in 2010. Okay. So I go online. I buy the book again because my other copy's at a different house. So I buy the book again. I read it instantly. I'm so excited. Then I download your app. I start doing it every morning. I feel a massive, massive shift. Way more energy. Way more certainty. I got really excited about more evolution in spirituality and mental stuff. Mm. So I hired a phenomenal out-of-reach therapist that I could never afford in the past, who I've been kind of eyeing online for years, hired her, started therapy, and I'm just finding so much joy working with you again. So I look through my files because I was like, whatever happened with that? I thought I shopped (laughs) that book. Why did he self-publish? I had no idea you had sold 2.5 million copies. I had no idea it was as big as it got because you and I have stayed in touch, but just not on that kind of thing. Sure. I went back to my files and I looked at the proposal we wrote and I looked at the query letter, which was fucking great. (laughs) And I looked at the agents, only a few. I sent it to a few agents before you pulled it. Yeah. But the agents, I could not believe that they didn't see what you and I saw. And the reason I'm telling this is because for anybody listening who knows that you've got a great idea, who knows that the book that you're sitting on is going to help a lot of people because it saved your life, or it just entertains you so much that you know it's going to entertain other people and take them out of whatever state they need to be taken out of, have faith. Because just because an agent doesn't want something or they don't recognize it, doesn't mean you're not sitting on an absolute masterpiece. Because yeah. you were. I'm just going to read the opening. Is it okay if I read yeah, the Yeah, do it. Your I query? It. Okay. Yeah. Ever have trouble waking up and getting going in the morning? Yeah, you and everyone else. The problem is universal. The miracle morning, the not-so-obvious secret guaranteed to change your entire life before 8 a.m. solves This problem and already has thousands of raving fans around the world waking up early and telling their friends. What about today? Why did you get out of bed this morning? Was it because you really wanted to? Or do you, like most people, drag yourself out from under your cozy covers 
because for one reason or another, you feel like you have to. You have to go to work. You have to go to school. You have to take care of your family. You have to get the kids ready. You name it, blah, blah, blah. And then you talk about how we naturally rebel and how you have a best-selling track record. You had already done the story of your accident, which I'll get to in a minute, but you were already speaking. Dude, you were doing all the things that publishers love. Your other book was an Amazon bestseller. You were obviously on the cutting edge and on to something really big. And yet, the two agents I sent it to, who I love dearly, who read everything I send them, denied you. So I want to talk a little bit about rejection being God's protection. I love that. It's the old adage, everything happens for a reason. And for me, one of the most important lessons of my life is to be at peace with life exactly as it is never resisting reality, never wishing that something were different than it can be. When we focus on things that are out of our control, whether it's something from the past, whether it's another person, like, oh, my spouse frustrates me or my boss is so whatever. When we wish something that is out of our control were different, we feel out of control. And when we feel out of control, we experience depression, we experience fear, anxiety, And so one of my biggest lessons is just, it doesn't matter what happens. It's like Byron Katie, she wrote the book, Loving What Is. Like that's my philosophy. I love what is. And whatever it is, I go, all right, there's something better around the corner. There's a reason that this opportunity, that I thought I wanted it, or I do want it, but I didn't get it. So that I accept it, I'm at peace with it, and I'm moving forward. To me, that's the ultimate superpower is to condition yourself to accept everything that you cannot change, accept life exactly as it is, and focus 100% of your energy on what you can change. If you get rejected, awesome. There's something better for you. And thank God, right to your point, thank God I didn't get a deal because I would have gotten such a crappy deal because I didn't, again, didn't have a big platform. And then the publishers would have made millions and millions of dollars and I would have gotten the leftover scraps. So yeah. And I love what you told me the other day, which you allowed me to share here, which is that a couple of years ago when you were diagnosed with cancer and you could not work for a year, this book that has been out for a decade made you $750,000 that year. Yeah. And I was able to focus on my health and beating cancer and it supported my wife and family and paid my medical bills, which were ridiculously high. So yeah, I thank God for being an author. (laughs) Yeah. You were in a head-on car accident years ago. You were at the peak of your life. You were doing fantastic. You loved your job. You were making great money. You were getting awards at work. You were in love with your girlfriend. And then you're in a coma for days. You died, actually. And then the jaws of life and the doctors brought you back to life. But I loved how you said that You never asked, why did this happen to me? You just took responsibility for getting your life back. And there's something so buoyant about you. And had that not happened to you, do you think you ever would have come up with the Miracle Morning? That and then again, losing everything in the housing market crash in 2007. Yeah. So I had started selling Cutco cutlery when I was 19 years old. I was hired to sell Cutco. And my first 10 days with Cutco, I broke the all-time company record. And I sold more kitchen cutlery than anyone had in the (laughs) Western half of the United States up until that point. And then my whole life took a different path. I was a radio DJ when I got hired with Cutco. I wasn't making enough money and I was only DJing on the weekends at that point. So I was like, all right, I need to make some more money. I'll get a job where I can set my own schedule. 
And a year and a half after my Cutco career started, I was giving a speech at one of the company's events. And that was when driving home that night, around 1130 at night, I was hit head on by a drunk driver at 70 miles per hour. I was found dead at the scene. As you mentioned, my heart stopped for six minutes on the side of the freeway. The paramedics revived me, put me on a helicopter, sent me to the hospital. I flatlined twice more, six days in a coma, came out of the coma. The doctor said I would never walk again. And I had permanent brain damage. And I always joke that while I did walk again, my family, my kids and wife will vouch. The brain damage is real. The struggle is real. Right. But it's funny you said I never asked why me or why did this happen to me? I actually did ask that question, Linda, but not in the traditional sense of, oh, poor, not in the victim context of, oh, why did this happen to me? This isn't fair. It's like, huh, why did this happen to me? What can I learn from this? What am I supposed to do with this? And I told my dad one day, this was two weeks after the crash. So I'd only been out of the coma for a week. It was before I ever knew if I'd walk again. Doctors still said I would never walk again. And the doctors called my parents in and they sat them down and they said, we're concerned with Hal's mental and emotional state. And my parents, of course, are all ears listening in. And and they said, every time we interact with Hal, whether it's us or the therapist, he's always smiling and laughing (laughs) and joking and making us laugh. And they said, that's not normal for a young man who's being told he's never going to walk again. And we need you to get to the bottom of how he's really feeling. We believe that he's suppressing his emotions. He probably deep down inside, he's scared. He's sad. He might be angry with the drunk driver. It's normal to feel these things. And we'd love for you to talk to him. You got to get him to admit how he's really feeling. They thought I was in denial. My dad came in and he said, Hal, and he expressed the doctor's concerns. He said, are you sad? Are you angry? Are you depressed? And I said, dad, I thought you knew me better than that. I live my life by what I call the five minute rule, which says it's okay to be negative when something goes wrong, but not for more than five minutes. And five minutes is arbitrary. It might take you 10 or 20 minutes or an hour or whatever. The point is, there's no point in dwelling on something that is out of our control that we cannot change. And so I said, dad, I can't change that I was in a car accident. I can't change that I broke 11 bones. And if I never walk again, then I'll be in a wheelchair for the rest of my life. I said, and I've already decided if I'm in a wheelchair for the rest of my life, I will be the happiest, most grateful human being that anyone's ever seen in a wheelchair because I'm in a wheelchair either way. So I will never allow unchangeable circumstances to determine my mental and emotional state. I get to choose that. I could either be in a wheelchair miserable or in a wheelchair blissful. One last piece to this story is I said, and dad, remember ever since I started selling Cutco and speaking at these events, I've told you I really want to be a motivational speaker someday, like Tony Robbins or whoever, but I've never really had anything extraordinary I've had to overcome. I had a normal childhood. You and mom were really good to me. I said, I would have never asked for this car accident, but as I've asked myself, why did this happen to me? The best answer I can come up with is I'm supposed to take this head on, overcome it, and then inspire other people to overcome their challenges. And so that's where that next evolution in my journey, if you will, from being a kitchen cutlery salesperson or a radio DJ to deciding I finally now have a story to share to be able to help other people. And I can live my dream of being a motivational speaker once I learn to walk again, if that ever happened. Oh, that's so good. Well, that reminds me of that saying, your message is your mess. Yeah. 
Rhonda Britton, when she and I were working on her first book proposal for Fearless Living years and years ago, we led with the story of her father killing her mother before killing Mm. himself, almost killing her and then killing himself and her suicide attempts and all of that that led her to create this fearless living way of moving through life that has helped so many people and led her to Oprah and having her own television show and winning an Emmy and on and on. And I think that for anybody listening who has so much motivation because they know they've got something to share, I want to talk a little bit about the courage of putting yourself out there because you and I have a similar mentality and a similar sort of crazy ass story about the way we flung ourselves out there. And you have this forward in your book by Robert Kiyosaki, who is the New York Times number one bestselling author of Rich Dad, Poor Dad. And he basically says that your book, Miracle Morning, did for him what no other book had ever done. And he's a major reader. And he also said that what you had accomplished was you had taken the best of the life skills that other people profess to do. And you had put all six of the very best things into one practice. But I want you to tell briefly the story, because I have one too, about how you got him to read your book. Yeah, it's a fun story. So I got brought in to speak at an event called GoBundance. GoBundance is a men's mastermind. And Robert was the featured keynote speaker and I was his warm-up act, essentially. I spoke right before him. And of course, I've read Rich Dad, Poor Dad. I'm a fan of his. And I got to have dinner with him and the other elders of this mastermind after we all spoke. And I had brought a copy of The Miracle Morning and I had signed it to Robert in my hotel room before dinner. And I had it in my computer bag on the floor. And I was dealing with fear, insecurity. I'm thinking in my head, he's not going to read my little self-published book. And I had Googled him beforehand just to get some details. And his net worth was $80 million, according to wherever I found that at that time. And I'm just thinking, this guy is so successful. He's not going to read my little book. And then I remembered Wayne Gretzky's quote, you miss all the shots you don't take. Literally, I'm sitting there at dinner. I'm debating, should I pull it out? Do I look like a goober? And then I'm like, whatever. I lose nothing. If I give it to him, he doesn't read it. Great, nothing lost. But if I don't give it to him, there's no chance for anything to happen. So I give him the book. I say, your book changed my life. And I signed it for you. And I don't expect anything. I think it was three weeks later, I get an email from his assistant. And she says, hey, Robert asked me to reach out to you. He's read The Miracle Morning three times. And my my jaw dropped. I'm like, what? Right. Like he's read my book three times in three weeks. And she said, he's been doing the Miracle Morning every day. And I believe it was with his wife. They did it together. And she said, and it's changing his life. And he wants to interview you on Rich Dad Radio. And I was just beside myself. And so I go, I schedule the interview. I get on Rich Dad Radio. And Robert is advocating so hard for the miracle morning, just telling his listeners, he goes, you guys, he said, it will change your life. And I love the way he summed it up at the end. He said, Hal, for anyone listening that doesn't know the miracle morning, the six practices that Robert says are the best of the best in personal development practices are organized in an acronym, which is the savers, S-A-V-E-R-S. The S is for silence. That's starting your day with meditation or prayer, getting centered. The A is for affirmations, which I teach a little different than 
they've usually been taught, really affirming what you're committed to, why it's a must for you, and which specific actions you will do to ensure that you follow through with what it is that you're committed to. That's the way I formulate affirmations. The V is for visualization. The E is for exercise. You don't have to go to the gym in the morning, but get your heart rate up, get the blood flowing so that your brain is primed to think clear, you have more energy, et cetera. The R is for reading. And then the final S is for scribing, which is a fancy word for journaling, but writing down what you're grateful for, writing down what you want to let go of and writing down what your highest priority is for the day, what the top one to three things you're committed to doing are. So at the end of the interview, he said, Hal, before the miracle morning, every successful person on the planet swears by at least one of the sabers. Right. He said, I don't think you'd beat anybody that didn't, at least, you know, it was the books they read. It was their journaling. It was their exercise. It was their meditation. It was one of these practices changed their life and attributed their success. He said, but I've never met anyone. And he goes, and I've been around. He goes, I've met everybody. He said, I've never met anybody that did all six of these practices. Maybe two, maybe three at the most. But he goes, what you did that was so genius is you combined all six into one ritual that I can do in 10 minutes or an hour. And he said, I do all six every morning. And he said, you name the book correctly because any one of these practices will save your life. But when you do all six of the savers during your miracle morning, it creates miracles. He said, I'm losing weight. I'm happier on and on. And if you look at Robert pre-miracle morning, he was heavy. He was bloated. He was in really bad physical shape. And he would tell you the same thing. You see pictures of him. And now he's the thinnest, fittest he's ever been. And I've been told by Tom Wheelwright who travels the world with Robert and speaks at all the events. I've seen Tom twice here in the last year at at events. And he said, Hal, Robert talks about the Miracle Morning in every single keynote he gives, everywhere he goes all around the world. I feel exactly the same way. I'm such an advocate now. And it's not funny. It took 12 years of knowing you and knowing the work for it to hit. (laughs) Just 12 years. I'm just Better late than never. I'm a little (laughs) slow on the uptake, but I did actually naturally do some of those things, just not all six. What's so great is, yes, you were at dinner with him. We can all buy those VIP tickets to have dinner with the special person who's hosting the event. But it's a whole other thing to carry your little manuscript and hand it to somebody. That is scary as F. And everybody knows not to do it. I have been to the events with the big, big speakers. I won't say their names. And it's really scary because they get flooded with presents. And a lot of times they throw them away. Just in the back room. Like they leave them with the hotel. They very rarely make it onto the plane with those people because they don't have the ability to cart all that stuff around. And most of it, frankly, is not going to be very good. So you really put yourself out there. And I just want to say part of my latest book, Beautiful Writers, is my intention with that book was to remind people of their magic. And I think when we're young, Danielle calls it the folly of youth. When we're young and we're idealistic and we've got a mission, oftentimes we're more able to fling ourselves out there we're more able to take chances because we just, I don't know, we don't know any better. We're grandiose. We're driven, driven, driven because we've got so much energy, whatever the reason is. Yeah. But I have lots of those in my book. And one of them I'll just tell you about. Sandy Gallen was the biggest talent manager in the world. And he had Nicole Kidman and Michael Jackson and he had helped make Dolly Parton a household name. Anyway, he had just won an Academy Award for a documentary about AIDS and 
I really wanted to interview somebody at the time who was publicly gay, which was not very common back then. But he didn't do interviews. Hated, hated interviews. So I wrote him letter after letter, never heard back from him. And I was so freaking determined. So I flew to Los Angeles. I was living in New Mexico. I flew there. I had no money. I went and bought a bunch of cookies at a bakery that was owned by a gay man. I knew he'd know him. And I just bought tons of these cookies and I brought them in gift bags to his office, knocked on the office door in Beverly Hills. Nice. And I put a postcard of Jesus knocking on a door and the postcard said, let me in. (laughs) And on the other side, I had read all the biographies of his best friends, Barry Diller, David Geffen, Dolly Parton. And they all said his favorite saying was, you can kill me, but you cannot eat me. So I wrote on the back of my Let Me In Jesus postcard, you can kill me, but you cannot eat me, so you might as well meet me. (laughs) And his staff called me and said he loved it. And within a half hour, I had every phone, cell phone, beach house phone. I had all of his numbers. And he ended up telling me that he absolutely loved the whole process. So what can you tell people right now who are just feeling okay, I haven't been hit head on by a car. I don't have Linda's grandiosity. Are these morning exercises going to help me have more courage? Yeah, I think that for me, the Miracle Morning, it's evolved. I've been doing it since early 2008. So what, 14 years now? And I still do it six days a week on average. I mean, I shoot for seven, but there's always a day where I have a date night or something and I'm up late. Sure. But otherwise, it's seven days a week. So I've done thousands of Miracle Mornings. And For me, what the Miracle Morning does is it's an opportunity to put yourself in a peak physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual state first thing in the morning. So that's one of the benefits. Most of us start each day in kind of a state of procrastination. We're hitting the snooze button. We're lethargic. Then it's a state of chaos where you're rushing around and trying to get out the door. Not the optimal way to start your day. And what I learned when I was writing the Miracle Morning or before writing it, just practicing it, how you start your day And I want you to really, if you're listening, receive this, consider this. How you start your day sets the context, the tone, and the direction for how you live your day. So if you have an unmotivated, unfocused, undirected, lethargic morning, chaotic morning, that's who you're being as you go into your day. If you start your day with silence, affirmations, visualization, exercise, reading, and journaling every single day, and you start your day calm, centered, focused on what matters most so that you can go and show up for your family, for your clients, for yourself in that peak physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual state, you can be at your best. So you apply that to writing. Absolutely. You're going to write better. If you apply it to the courage that you need, for example, affirmations are my favorite of the savers. I'm often asked, do you have a favorite? And the politically correct answer would be like, no, they're all equally important. But the reality (laughs) is it's affirmations because I get to design my mindset in writing and it's always on my computer. So I get to edit it and perfect it and fine tune it. Yeah, me too. If I need courage, it's I'm committed to maintaining courage that I can get this book out in front of the right people or whatever it is. Step two to that affirmation formula is the reasons why that's a must for me. I need to maintain courage because it's the only way I'm going to make the impact that I'm destined to make. It's the only way that I'm going to achieve the financial freedom that I want for my family, the security for my family. I list three to five significant reasons why that commitment is a must for me and that there's no other option but for me to do whatever it takes. And then step three of the affirmation is 
which specific actions will I take and when? So it's, okay, great. I'm committed to this outcome. These are the reasons, the fuel for me to do whatever it takes. What specifically will I do and when will I do it? And sometimes it's repetitive. If it's writing a book, I'm going to write every day a thousand words from 6 a.m. to 7 a.m. Easy. Some things are sequential. If you're going to build a business, you're not doing the same thing every day because there's phases of the business. And so it's every day I'm going to spend an hour. For me, I didn't know I was going to sell a million copies. So my commitment was I'm going to spend one hour every day from 8 to 9 a.m. after a miracle morning to figure out how to reach a million people. So I didn't know how, but I was committed to dedicating time every day to keep learning how. Well, that's what I think it's been doing for me, even with just signing up for therapy. It's been so magical and shown me real family patterns back from my relatives that were so intense that created a lot of up and downs in our family, a lot of real, real stress and early death in our family. And in doing that, in getting in touch with some of that, suddenly... I don't have the same amount of cravings for potato chips or chocolate. I'm exercising more. All these other areas of my life are improving because I took a step. You know that saying that you say all the time, which is you change from the inside, you change the outside. It was Jim Marone who said, change on the inside, you change on the outside. Well, we all know that. But wow, when you change the inner landscape, of what's going on in your head, your mind, and your heart. The outside stuff takes care of itself a lot easier. Well, Linda, I agree with what you said, except for I don't think we all know that. See, I think society has conditioned us to think that if you want more in your life, you have to do more. And I believe the real secret is it's not about doing more, it's about becoming more. Because when you become more, and that's what the Miracle Morning, that's the other aspect, you're developing yourself every day you're elevating your consciousness. You're becoming more aware of how your thoughts, words, and actions are impacting your life, your results, the people around you. And through that daily personal development, that's another Jim Rohn quote that actually gave birth to the miracle morning. Your level of success in every area of your life will rarely exceed your level of personal development because it's who you become. So when you focus on becoming more, success gets easier. You become more effective. Motivation's easier. And it all is how you start your day that sets you up for all of that. I love it. I love you. I'm so happy that we did this. Oh, me too, Linda. It's so great to see you. So Talk to see you again soon. Thank you, Linda. Okay, big hugs. Thanks, babe. Thank you for listening. I've had so much fun making this episode with Hal and part two downloading in a few minutes with Dr. Jody Carrington. It's been such a blessing for me to relive so many of the details I'd forgotten. Kind of like episodes of This Is Your Life, only this is your career. I say it all the time and I always will. I have the best job in the world. As I said at the top, I want you to have access to Hal's Miracle Morning documentary, now free at miraclemorningmovie.com. Hal says the savers saved his life. And you'll see a lot of other people with similar comments. Enough, I hope, to convince you to give this Miracle Morning practice a try. I recommend following Hal on social media too, where he recently opened up about struggling with anxiety and depression. A result of his accident, yes, but more 
the 700 hours of, ironically, the life-saving chemo he endured. Being part of his community will make you feel less alone and part of something profound. Big, big thanks to my people, Kevin at Red Room Sound and Julia McPherson at Innerspace Marketing. I'm so happy to be back in the podcast chair. You may notice that we don't have advertisers here. I've intentionally funded the show myself, my gift to you. If you find value here and want to gift me something in return, I have a few suggestions that make my heart so happy. First, you can follow the show, which is cool because you'll get an alert when new episodes drop. Then maybe leave some five-ish stars and a comment on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to us. That helps more writers find us. And if you haven't already, I'd be over the moon if you'd purchase a copy of Beautiful Writers for yourself or a creative in your life. It's my latest book. It just won the writing and publishing category of the International Book Awards. And Kirkus Reviews wrote that fans of Sievertson's podcast will devour this companion volume. I hope that's you and I hope you devour away. And tell me what you think on the socials. I'd love to connect with you there soon. And lastly, I work with the coolest people. Maybe you. Bookmama.com outlines some of the different ways I support writers. Retreats, of course, online and in Carmel, but also shorter private one-on-one sessions. And my book proposal magic course, it's more affordable and ready for immediate download. That's it for now. Enjoy Dr. Jody Carrington up next. Man, is she a hoot. Right on. Right on.